The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. We wrap up our study of Ecclesiastes this morning. They clap first hours. I mean, we're glad to get out of that book. And uh, we head to Acts together. Actually, it's been interesting. Our, our attendance has grown over the summer months, with, uh, which is interesting. That never happens. But uh, it's been a challenge for each of us, I think, as we've looked at God's Word together. We're going to look at all of chapter 12 together. It begins in verse 1. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. And then in verses 3 through 5 is one of the most graphic descriptions of aging in all of literature. Not just biblical literature, but all of literature. And we'll look at the details in a minute. And then the conclusion is reached by Solomon or someone who's writing in his behalf. And if you drop down to verse 13, the conclusion... Solomon, after all these chapters of looking under the sun, Solomon, after all these chapters of looking at life, finally concludes this way. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God and keep his commandments. If you remember, Solomon has said, I looked at everything in life and it's vanity of vanity, all is vanity. I've done everything. I've had pleasures. I've had possessions. I've had projects. Solomon has uh, brains. He has babes. He has bucks, as one teenager said. He had it all. In his conclusion, after experimenting with life, in fact, in chapter 2, he said, anything my eyes saw, I gave, I, I took unto myself. Anything I wanted, I took. And his conclusion is, be wise, the verse before this, fear God and obey him. Father, as we look at uh, particularly the aging process this morning and getting older and serving you in youth, and then as we look at this conclusion, God, I pray that each of us would be found faithful, not just today, but every day. pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's one of the inescapable realities of life. We grow old. Have you found that out? Let me let you know a secret. Here's a secret. It's a secret, so we might speak softly. There is no fountain of youth. There is no fountain of youth. Doesn't matter how old you are, if you're a teenager. Doesn't matter if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Those of us approaching 60 or beyond, we're going to tell you, Ponce de Leon was wrong. There is no fountain of youth. He could still be searching centuries later. He's not going to find it. It doesn't exist. In spite of all the informational things and things you read on, online uh, that say they can keep you young forever, we all get old. I, I've got quite a collection of getting old jokes uh, as I approach 60, and uh, we always refer to this couple right here, Mr. and Mrs. Excitement. Uh, they remind me, I'm not going to tell you who they remind me of, but uh, they remind me of certain people. <laughs> There's a 78-year-old lady who went on a blind date with an 83-year-old man when she came home. Her 50-something-year-old daughter said, Mom, how was the date? Terrible. I had to slap him three times. You mean he acted inappropriately? Nope, I thought he was dead each time. <laughs> Some of y'all shouldn't be laughing out there. I told y'all... I told you all a couple of years ago, actually about a, it's a year ago now, we're in the swimming pool uh, at our subdivision, and I had one of my grandsons with me, Jackson, and he looked at me and he said, uh, Papa Del, how old are you? And I said, Jackson, I'm 58. I was 58 at the time, 59 now. And, and he thought for a moment, he looked at me, I said, Jackson, I'm 58. He looked at me and said, did you start at one? <laughs> wow. 
one of life's inescapable realities. We all grow old. Hey, if you can't remember your age, Melanie, age five, ask her granny how old she was. Granny said, I'm so old, I can't remember anymore. And Melanie said, if you don't remember, look in the back of your panties. Mine says five to six. <laughs> She's right. Everybody wants to live long, but nobody wants to grow old. Isn't that right? Hey, we all, we all want to live long, but we don't want to grow old. As Solomon comes to the conclusion of this letter, really, really what his thesis has been is that uh, somewhere, somehow, some way, under the sun, I will do something, I will discover something, I will get something, I will become somebody that can give meaning to life. He has doggedly and exhaustively pursued all the worldly pleasures that could come to his mind, but his conclusion to all of that is vanity of vanity, it's all vanity. We began this study several weeks ago. It's our 13th message from Ecclesiastes. And in that first message, the big idea I gave you at the very end was a quote from St. Augustine. And he said, he who does not have God has nothing. He who has God has everything. That's Solomon's conclusion. His bottom line, after traversing through all of these chapters, after looking at all of life, is the same as Augustine. He who does not have God has nothing. He who has God has everything. So let's look at how Solomon gets there. He begins by saying, life is a gift. Enjoy it while you're young, because old age and death are coming. And uh, those of us who are in our 60s or 70s, we can tell you that's true. I mean, enjoy life when you're young because old age and death are coming. And he starts off by talking about the days of youth. Look at verse 1 of chapter 12. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth before evil days come and the years draw near when you say, I no longer have delight in them. He says, enjoy God and enjoy life while you can, the days of your youth. In fact, as Chase was with you last week, look at verse 9 of chapter 11. It says, Rejoice, young men, during your childhood, and let your heart be pleasant during the days of your youth. What Solomon is saying here to young people, and by the way, when Solomon refers to young people, remember the average life expectancy was not what it was today. He, he uses a word that's referring probably to teenagers in 20s at the most. Teenagers and 20s at the most. So if you're a teenager and you're in your 20s, he's talking to you. He says, while you're still young, enjoy the days of your youth. Rejoice in the days of your youth. Specifically, he says, remember your creator. Now, the word remember here doesn't just mean to call to mind. It means to call to mind with the intention of obeying. To call to mind with the intention of following through on your commitment. To, to, to call to mind with, with the idea that I, I'm going to do what the Creator has asked me to do. So basically what Solomon is saying, enjoy the days of your youth by following after God. By following after God. There are many of us in here who would say to young people, if we could address those of you, if I wasn't the only one speaking, and, and we turn to the, how many of you in your teens and 20s? Let me see your hand. Teens and 20s right here. Look at that. Bunch of y'all especially over here. And there are a bunch of us who are older that would say, let me tell you about our wasted years. Let me tell you about the years when we were your age, when we could have, should have, and if we could do it all over again, walk with God. We wasted a lot of years. We wasted years when we could have built a firm foundation. Now, we're not bemoaning the fact that God draws near to him afterwards, but the reality of it is we could have built a secure foundation a long time before, but we didn't. And Solomon says, remember and enjoy 
the Creator in the days of your youth. While you're young, enjoy Him. While you're young, make sure that you walk with Him. Make sure that you honor Him with your life. Because you're going to find out that, 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 that time marches on and time flies. It's kind of like the end of a roll of toilet paper. It always goes quicker at the end, doesn't it? And that's how it is. The older you get, the calendar seems to flip a little faster. And time doesn't march, but now it flies. Walk with God in your youth. Some of us would share regret. Some of us would say, we're so grateful we built a foundation through those years. Some of us would say, we're grateful that God called us to himself and wooed us to himself. And he says, if you're young, walk with God, honor God. Remember him all the days of your life. You know, there's a lot of hand-wringing that goes on about the future in our country and the future in our churches. But I'm going to tell you, my perspective is different. I meet with young guys all the time. I'm mentoring two different groups of young guys on Friday mornings. One we just start this coming week. And when I meet with these young guys and talk to them, I'm going to tell you the future is bright at TBC. The future is bright in the world we live in. If you've been here in the summer, you've seen youth fill this stage for impact. If I lived in Bell County, I would attend TBC if I had youth just to have them exposed to impact, if nothing else. I mean, it's phenomenal what takes place. And we have young people in their teens, in their 20s, in their 30s that walk with God, honor God, love God, and they are the future of this body and the future of the next generation that's going to rise up and lead us. And I'm going to tell you, the future is bright. And I'm grateful for them. If you are in your teens, 20s, or 30s, I would do something a little different. Would you stand? Would you stand? We want to honor you this morning. You're here, teens, 20s, and 30s, wherever you are. Would you stand? Look at that. Everywhere. Look at this. Wow. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. Wow. Some of you guys stood up. You don't know how to count yet, I can tell you. Garrett, how old are you? You've had a rough life, bro. <laughs> Garrett's one of the guys I mentor. I, I mean, here's the reality. I mean, the reality of it is, look at that. Look at all the folks. You know how many churches would kill to have half that many showing up? Last hour, I asked for that. Everybody was like 80 and above at 8.15. It's amazing. <laughs> I think I woke half of them up at that time. Hey, you see these young people that stood up? You pray for them. You pray that God allows them to continue to grow in the Savior and honor Him with their lives. And we honor you because we want you to become the ones we pass the baton to, to walk with the Savior, honor the Savior, grow in the Savior. Well, that's the fun part. You ready for the hard part? Here we go. This is for us who are getting older. You're in your, now I went through the 30s. If you're 40 and above, this is us. Here we go. Beginning in verse 3. This is one of the most uh, imaginative descriptions of aging in literature. Not just biblical literature, any literature. And he uses these metaphors to refer to the aging process. He, he likens us unto a house. He likens us unto a grinding mill. Uh, beginning in verse 3, In the day that the watchmen of the house tremble in mighty men stoop. He's talking about growing older, and he says, In that day the watchmen of the house tremble uh, in, in the, uh, it basically saying the arms and the hands grow weak. As you get older, 
If you don't take care of your bodies, if you don't go work out, if you don't do something, you get weaker. I mean, that's just the way it is. I'll never forget my grandfather, my mom's side, my uh, grandpa, mom's dad. Uh, He was a farmer and a woodsman. He was about 6'2", 6'3". He probably weighed about 220. Looking back, he barely had any body fat because he was always either chopping or working somewhere. And, uh, I mean, in my mind, he was the strongest man in the world. As a little boy, we would go to that farm, and Grandpa could take bales of hay and chunk them. I mean, he was just a strong man. I'll never forget one day, they came to live with mom and dad in uh, the latter years of their life. And uh, they modeled that for us. That's why one of the reasons mom and dad lived with us. And I'll never forget, I came home from college one weekend, and Grandpa Con, we called him, uh, not because he was a convict, that was his, uh, I don't know how he got that name. But uh, Grandpa Con was sitting there with a jar of jelly, and he couldn't open it. And I thought, the strongest man that I know in the whole world. says, Gary, would you open this for me? Of course, I couldn't open it. I gave it to Bev, who was dating at the time. (laughs) Hey, if if you haven't seen my wife's bicep, how many of you have seen her bicep? If you have not seen her bicep, you know why I go to the gym all the time. That woman could beat the tar out of me if I didn't do it. But, but he, he says, here's the problem. It, 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 the, 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 the watchmen of the house begin to tremble. The arms and the legs are weaker. They, they don't support you quite as much. Then he says, the mighty men stoop. You watch an older person begin to walk. What happens? You stoop. I, I went to get my physical this past year. And uh, but the good news is my doc, I don't know if he's over here or not, uh, Mike Hagen, he said, uh, other than cancer, you're in the best shape of your life. <laughs> it's great. Oh, my numbers are down and all that stuff. But, but here's the reality. You, you look at this, the mighty men, you, you watch it. So we get on the, the deal where they do your weight and your height. My weight was about 235 pounds. But <laughs> I've always been six foot and a half inch, always. And, and the lady puts a thing on me and says, five foot 11 and a half. And uh, I looked at her with my one good eye and said, ma'am, I've got to be six foot tall. I'm not going to tell anybody I'm five foot 11. That's embarrassing. I said, sir, I'm looking at the thing, and I said, well, I'm putting my shoes back on. <laughs> I'd taken them off because I had to get them to scale first. You always take your shoes off, right? Okay, put them back on, six foot even, so I'm still six foot. But, but he said, here's the problem. He says, the mighty men stoop. Your legs, your knees weaken, you walk bent over, and your figures change. Have you noticed that? I, I mean, you, you are not the flat belly you used to be, and... Uh, some uh, lady, lady I read said, I still have an hourglass figure, but uh, the time's getting late. <laughs> figure is changing. Another lady said, uh, I signed up for an exercise class, and uh, they sent me a note and said, wear loose-fitting clothing. If I had loose-fitting clothing, I wouldn't have signed up for the class in the first place. And then he goes on. Look at what he says next. He says, in that day, the, the watchmen of the house tremble, the mighty men stoop. The grinding ones stand idle because they are few. What are the grinding ones? What do you grind with? What are you grinding with? Your teeth. Remember, they didn't have the dental care that they have that we have today. So he says they're few. They're starting to lose their teeth. They're from East Texas or Arkansas probably. Okay. Send me your nasty emails. I can handle it. He says, the grinding ones are few. There are not as many of them. You begin to lose your teeth. Your teeth get 
I, I mean, I, I don't know. When I was a kid, my grandparents uh, on mom's side, once again, they took their teeth out at night, put it in something overnight, and me and as a little kid, you'd look at that and think, wow, that's pretty cool. Remember the story of the little girl? She was visiting nursing homes with her mom. Her mom had a nursing home ministry. First time she went with her, they went to some old lady's room, and uh, she had her uh, false teeth and some kind of solution next to the bed, and the little girl, about age four, hit her mom and said, the tooth fairy's never going to believe this. <laughs> said, the grinding ones are few. There aren't as many of them. I mean, this is a great section. He says, one will arise at the sound of a bird. You're sound asleep and something wakes you up, but you can't hear the daughters of the song sing softly. You hear a sound at night, it wakes you up, you can't go back to sleep. But then when somebody talks to you, especially a daughter of the song, uh, ladies with higher pitched voices, we tend to lose our hearing in that area first. Uh, He says, "I I can't hear anything. He says, it's amazing. He says, uh, I begin to stoop, and now I can't hear. You need a miracle ear. you, you got to have something to hear. Your conversations are filled with, I'm sorry, honey, what would you say? Can you repeat that, huh? It, how many of you are married to somebody that's so stubborn they need hearing aids and won't get them? Let me see your hands right now. There you go. Okay. You come see me. I can tell you who to go get hearing aids from. Okay, some of you dudes out there and some of you gals out there, you're so stubborn, you won't do it, and, 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 and you're driving your spouse and your kids crazy, crazy. You can't have a decent conversation with them because you're too stubborn to go get them. And, and he says, that, that's what happens. You rise at the sound of a bird at night and the slightest noise awakes you, and uh, it's amazing. You used to sleep like a locomotive, but now you don't. I love the story of uh, an old man who said, uh, Grandpa went in to get his first set of hearing aids, and the audiologist, he was amazed with the gadget's capabilities and stuff, and he went back uh, to get a checkup from the audiologist two weeks later. And uh, the Grandpa went on and on about uh, how he could hear conversations. He said, sometimes I can even hear him talking in the next room. And the audiologist said, I bet your relatives are happy to know you can hear so well. He said, I ain't told them yet. I've just been sitting around the house listening to him. I've changed my will three times in the last two weeks. <laughs> he goes on. Look at what he says. He says, uh, furthermore, men are afraid of a high place. Guys, you remember when you wouldn't think twice about climbing a ladder to get on your roof, and now you think three times, or maybe you do like I do. We pay people to do that kind of stuff. I'm not climbing that ladder. And then it goes on and says, uh, he's afraid of the terrors of the road. He used to get out and drive all night long, and you realize, I'm not doing that anymore, man. If I have a flat in the middle of the highway, you get old, and you're thinking, I don't know if I can even see to change it. And then it goes on, the almond tree blossoms. What does that mean? You ever see an almond tree in blossom? An almond tree blossoming looks like this. Here's a picture of almond trees. Oh, well, that's not it. Stop that video. I forgot about that video. There's the almond tree blossoming. There it is right there. So when he says the almond tree blossoms, he's talking about gray hair, talking about turning white. I told you a couple of weeks ago, some turn gray, some turn loose. I chose the latter. Okay? I love what Tony Campolo says. He says, we, we have a fixed number of hormones. We have only so many hormones. And he's looking at men at a men's conference. You want to use yours to grow hair? That's your issue. I'm going to use mine for other things. I like that. The grasshopper drags himself along. What does that mean? 
The grasshopper drags himself along. There's a walker right there. Jack's got a walker. My mom's got a walker right there. What does that mean? See, all of a sudden, you go to nursing home and look down the hallways, what do you see? You see walkers and you see wheelchairs. We get older, tougher to get around. And then he concludes and says, the caperberry is ineffective. Now, I've got to be careful here. I want to keep my job. The caperberry was an aphrodisiac. Okay, It was pre-Viagra, Viagra. That's what it was. And he says, you get to a certain age, and even that doesn't work. That's great. I don't have to say anything. I, I taught this at a family camp uh, this year, and, and there, was, there was a lady in her 60s, and she said, when's that going to happen? The caperberry is ineffective. And he says, uh, the aging process comes. It comes. I love what this guy says. Though no one can go back and make a brand new start, anyone can start now and make a brand new beginning. It's gonna, we, we put everything online. All the uh, PowerPoint as well as the sermons are online. That's a great quote. Though no one can go back and make a brand new start, anyone can start now and make a brand new ending. And for some of us, that needs to happen. See, some of us are, you know, I, I, I love our older folks, I, I, our pacemakers, or pa- pacemaker, pace setters. <laughs> I do that every time, every time. <laughs> That's awful. Maybe I won't have a job tomorrow. But, you know, they have paved the way for us, and they still walk with God and honor God. That's a blessing. If you're in your, um, let's say, 60s and up, if you can stand, would you stand? How's that? (laughs) 60s and older. Look at this up here. There you go. Look at that. You know, not as many of us as those young people, but, you know, by God's grace, you're here and you keep trucking. I want to challenge you. Here's how I want to challenge you. I can't find anything about retirement in the scriptures in the spiritual life, period. I can't find a place where it says, hey, I've done my duty so I can take a break. I don't see it anywhere. But what I do see is in Titus, I see where Paul says, uh, older women teach the younger women. I, I do see in First John where it says, older men you, you take care as shepherds of the younger guys. You know, as I think about uh, retirement years, as I think about uh, getting older, I'm there, 60 in November. When I think about it, I think, what is the greatest investment I can make in the last, I don't know how many years God's going to give me? That's why I meet with young dudes. Hey, ladies, what if you mentored three young gals and they walked with Christ and honored Christ, and they loved their kids, and they modeled Christ to their kids. And, and then 15, 20 years from now, they had grandkids. And they told those grandkids, let me tell you about this older lady who invested herself in me, and how she pointed me to Jesus, and how she modeled that. Can you think of a greater investment, ladies? 
If you're in your 50s and older, I challenge you. Beth Mackey will be glad to find a couple of young ladies for you to mentor. We have young ladies who desire that in our body. If you're in your 50s and older, you email Beth this week, and we'll make sure that we find a couple of... What greater way to invest retirement years? I I mean, can you think of a better thing? Traveling's fun. Shopping. I mean, how much can you shop? What else do you need? Versus mentoring a couple of gals who one day do it. Boy, guys, let me talk to y'all. Men, guys in my age bracket, let me tell you one thing that breaks my heart. Men in our body who have been trained for years and sat under good, solid biblical teaching for years and know how to shepherd and don't. Breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. You're, you're, you're getting your handicap down. You're getting ready for dove season tomorrow. You're getting the feeders ready for next month. I, I know what's happening. You're trained. You're equipped. And the reality of it is you should come to baptism tonight and let me hold you under and send you to glory. <laughs> you're a spiritual deadbeat. My pastor called me a spiritual deadbeat. I did. I did. If you are trained and equipped and sitting on your hands and not serving and not honoring Christ with your life, can you think of a greater investment than to get a group of young couples, you as an older couple, to get a group of young couples in your neighborhood from our body at work and invite them to show up at your house and be in the Word together and grow together and honor Christ? Can you think of a greater investment to make? instead of looking online at your stocks every day and wondering, I have enough to retire. Instead of sharpening your gun, and it's okay to go play golf, it's okay to go hunting. I'm not saying that's wrong, but what a greater investment it would be to invest in the lives of other people. That's why when you look at the core values of TBC, it's personal surrender, community, and missional sacrifice. I I see guys that retire, and really, well, what are you doing? I want to travel. Great. Travel. When you come back, what are you going to do? Aren't there, aren't there a few folks in your neighborhood you could gather up and shepherd? Guys my age, I want to talk to y'all. Well, why would you not get other guys our age and shepherd them or some young guys and shepherd them? See, here's what happens. You get to be older and two things happen. You get invited to be on all kinds of boards. I, I'm invited to be on boards all the time. I, I'll serve one community board and I'll serve a couple of missions boards. Because you have one or two things. That they assume by the time you get to be our age, you have wealth or you have wisdom. And so they invite you on a board because you either have money or because you've learned a few things and you're wise. Here's what I found. What you're doing is ministering from a distance. It's okay to do that. We need wise, wealthy people to do those things. We need that. But if that's all you do, you're really involved in the lives of men and women. Well, no one can go back and make a brand new start. Anyone can start now and make a brand new ending. You're an older guy and you say, Gary, I want some of that action, man. I want that. You, you contact me this week. Let's brainstorm today. Let's come up with ideas. 
You're a young guy and say, I want to be mentored, a young gal, I want to be mentored. You email me this week. I'll give your name to some of these older ladies and some of these older men just to hang out and see life together. I had a friend call me last week, one of the guys I mentioned. I called a, a guy and asked him if he'd meet with me every other week. I've watched the way he's lived his life. I've watched the way he's parented his kids. I see the way he interacts with his grandkids. What he's got, I want. Wow. You don't think that set me a buzz? Two guys in our body. Young guy saying, I want what that older guy has. Life is a gift. Enjoy it when you're young because not only old age, but death is coming. He describes death in a different way. In verse 6, the silver cord is broken, the golden bowl is crushed, referring to spinal cord, referring to the the brain, basically saying you die. In his conclusion in verse 8, meaningless and meaningless, it's all meaningless. So then we come to his conclusion. From under the sun, Solomon finally goes in the tunnel and has a few moments of light. Shafts of light, the tunnel is opening. First of all, he says, be wise, be wise. If you look at verse 11, the words of wise men are like goads and masters of collections are well-driven nails. They are given by one shepherd. Be wise. Fill your mind with good things. Fill your mind with the word of God. Fill your mind with songs about the word of God. Do you get in your car? And fill it up with things that honor God. Put in somebody. When I work out alone, I put on a podcast of somebody preaching. I need to learn how to be better at my craft, and I want to hear young guys do it, and, and I want to be equipped and built up as well. So you see me in the gym. If my partner's not there, I've got headphones on. I'm listening to some dude preach. I'm not listening to music. Nothing wrong with listening to music. You want to listen to praise music, do that. Other stuff, do that. But whatever goes in comes out. What are you filling your mind with? Philippians says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, anything of excellence or praiseworthy, Let your mind dwell on these things. And then he says, fear God. Be wise, fear God. The Hebrew word for fear there means to have respect for, to have reverence for, to have awe of. You stand in awe of God. You revere God. You respect God. You know, in our day and age, we've made God the cereal box God, is what I like to say. We've dummied him down to about the size of a cereal box, and what we want to do is we want to pour him out on certain occasions when we need a little bit of him, but then we want to put him back in the box and live our lives. Shelby Van Nuken wrote, I'd like $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to make me love the unlovely. Not enough to make me generous. Not enough to make me serve. But just enough to warm my soul. I'd like $3 worth of God, please. Cereal box God. Keep him in the box unless we need him. We don't want him to disrupt our world and to change our lives. But that's what he's about. If you're going to fear him, you're going to tremble in his presence. You're going to stand before him like Isaiah did in Isaiah 6 and throw yourself on the ground and you're going to hear the antiphony of angels, holy, 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 and you're going to say, woe is me out of your reverence and your awe for him. You be wise, you fear God, and then you walk in obedience. You live your life walking in obedience. Looking under the sun is vanity. You have to look to the sun for life to make sense. You see, we have the rest of the book Solomon didn't. 
we have Jesus to look back upon. It says this about Jesus in Hebrews. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away our sins. But he offered himself once and for all, for all sins at all times. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. For by that one offering, he's perfected for all time those who are sanctified. You want life to make sense? If you really want it to make sense, you're going to walk with the Savior, honor the Savior, and walk with Jesus. Greg, can you come help me one second? A couple of years ago, I had a friend of mine, Tommy Thompson, come up here with me. Tommy wrote a little deal. He called the measure the tape. I'm going to do a little takeoff on that. If you just hold that in for me. Ladies, uh, this is your life right here. You're going to live about 82 years according to statistics. So this is you right here. Guys, we're right here. Okay? So um, those of you who uh, are in your 20s, come back to here. 58. That's how much you got left. In your 20s, this is you. Okay, guys? In your 30s? Let's go down to here. That's you. In your 40s? Man, it starts shrinking. Hey, you're like me in your 50s? You're like Greg in your 60s. You can't hold a ruler on one end. <laughs> 28 inches left. Out of 78. Wow. Not much. Um, 18 inches left. So if you are 70 or above, that's what you got. That's it. 60. There you are. That's it. No more. 50. There you go. Right there. That's it. How many of you should be dead by now? What are you going to do with the few inches you got left? Really? I mean, you're in your 40s and think, I've got a long time to go. Hey, 40s is midlife. Life expectancy, 82. You turn 41, you're in midlife. Done. Maybe you're building a foundation like all these young people. Man, remember God, the creator, in the days of your youth. You can build a foundation that lasts forever. Or maybe you're in your 80s and say, man, I'm on the negative side of this thing over here. <laughs> but you know what? It's never too late to start again, is it? You can start fresh. Somebody said, uh, how do I know How do I know that I can still be useful? If you're here, you can be useful. That's what God says. Don't stop. Father, it's because of the Savior that we can have life. And we can live an abundant life and eternal life. Because of Jesus. Do you know Jesus? He's our Savior, our friend. One who knew no sin and became sin on our behalf. We sang Jesus paid it all because he did. And some of you are 
trying to pay it yourself rather than trusting him is not going to work. Would you today confess your need for a Savior and ask him to be the Lord and Savior of your life today? Others of us, we need a fresh start. We're coasting. And we need to ask the Savior to use us to his glory till we give up our dying breath. Father, we ask this in your name. Amen.